Welcome to episode 13 of the Faith in Real Life podcast. I'm your host, Amy Dalkey. And I'm your other host, James Thompson. Okay, in this episode, we are bringing a little fantastic to the table. Wow. I know, right? Set the expectations high for episode 13. So what might that be? And I am so glad you asked. We're going to play a little game of true and false. It's called What is in the Bible? So we've got a list of about 15 to 20 common quotes and sayings, and the plan is to go through those and ask, is it in the Bible? True or false? True. False. There you go. And that's about how it's going to go, probably. (laughs) All right, so I know that everybody's just dying to get into this, so why don't we start off with our first one? Is it in the Bible? I think we need theme music. Maybe we can. We do. That would be fantastic. Do we do it like a talk show? Yeah, let's do it. Before God, we are equally wise and equally foolish. In the Bible, yes or no? False. Did you know that one without looking at the answer? Yeah. I've never even heard that quote. Yeah, I was surprised when I... Apparently, that is a quote from Albert Einstein that I'd never heard before. Right. But it, it didn't sound like something that I would think would be in the Bible. Right. We could read some verses and think, well, that's true, the concept. Or we could read other verses that kind of lead us to believe that it's false. When I read it, and I I knew it wasn't in the Bible, um, that it wasn't, but I'm like, it does sound like something that could conceivably, and it could be thought to have been Mm. in the Bible for, for some, and what it made me think of is we're all image bearers of God. You know, we're all made in his mm-hmm. image. And so in that case, we are all created alike. But that's not what the quote is actually saying. Whereas, you know, there's parts of it we could argue could be mm-hmm. or is, are very similar to things that are in the Bible. It's not actually in the Bible. Right. And I don't know why it seems that sometimes like I'll read things like this and just go off on a completely different I don't know, maybe I need to level up on my dictionary meanings of words. But my first thought was, to me, it said something like, if we are not equally wise and equally foolish, then there are some of us who have kind of a higher standing. To me, the immediate response to that was, well, no, that's not true. That's that's not how God sees us. That's not his heart. I mean, he doesn't play favorites. It's like there are verses throughout Leviticus and Exodus and, I mean, all the way to to the book of James that talk about how he doesn't play favorites. He's not partial. And so that's where I went with it. I mean, I've always wanted to be partial. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. As the favorite. But as when, the favorite. When me looking at it, we're not equally wise. And I, that's where I sort of found the distinction is because, right. you know, as we'll discuss later on, you know, wisdom is, is gathered or given and you ask for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so some actually have more wisdom and understanding than others, so we're not equally wise. I could say, you could say we're all equally foolish when we rely on our own efforts, but yeah. So I didn't I didn't get that far into it, other than this might be a, a in the book of Amy. It uh, could be. It could be because I am probably more on the fool side of things typically, and I would like it all to be equal because I want the wise people to be just as foolish as I am. Yeah, put put us all on the same level. Yeah. So that one is? False. 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 All right. Number two. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. True 
or false. That is in the Bible. And I think we've all heard that verse. Right. And I think we've all heard sort of the, and I didn't realize that there's some sort of disagreement as to the explanation of this. Mm -hmm. um, is it literal? Is it not literal? Did they use needles at the time when Jesus was speaking? Are they actually referring? And I've heard it, people sort of just, justify it and say, oh no, they're talking about a small entrance in a, in a, in, you know, in a walled city. They, they had these small entrances that you couldn't ride the camel into. Uh, you'd have to dismount and try to get the camel through these little narrow gates and I read some stuff that said that that's not even accurate, that they didn't, you know, you don't have these little side mm -hmm. portals and in, in, in walled cities. And, you know, there's a lot of lot of debate as to whether or not what that really refers to. Right. Are they actually talking about a needle, you know, right. sewing needle or, or what have you? And so, but yeah, that's in there. Um, what exactly is being discussed or, you know, in the context is it seems to be some debate as to what the needle is representing. Right. Obviously, it's more in the context, but I didn't realize there was that much debate on it. But that's in the Bible. I was in a conversation where people, they believed that it was basically Jesus saying, rich people won't go to heaven. Yeah. That's, that's not true. That's just not true. What Jesus was saying was that when somebody has a wealth of resources, it's more difficult for that person to believe they need to trust something other than themselves. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks back with the young ruler. Like, uh, right. it's it's putting your faith in God mm -hmm. as opposed to your own wealth or your own what your hands produce, and that that's what I think makes it difficult. Or the love of money, you know, right. sort of the, the uh, idols mm -hmm. uh, that we create for ourselves that we put our faith in and our security in, mm -hmm. as opposed to God. So yeah, I, I have heard that too. Um, usually, the people that say that are like, "So donate your money to me." Right. Call 888. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it's kind of like in America, our motto is in God we trust. But really, I think it's harder for people in our culture to really recognize they have a need outside of themselves. And I think that's what, I think that's what he's yeah. saying in this context. So that one is? That one is true. That one is true. The next one? To yourself be true. I think that's technically to thine own self be true. Yeah, and I, I just knew, I, I figured no, that's not in there. Um, I never, right. I didn't even, I didn't take the head fake on that one. And it's actually a quote I think from uh, the notes here that it's from Hamlet. To yourself be true, or to thine own self be true. Um, and this is obviously false because you're not right. supposed to put your faith in yourself. In fact, you know, you're not an imperfect mm -hmm. being. You're left to your own devices, you're evil, you know, without the mm -hmm. help. That wasn't one that was going to, didn't, didn't, didn't fake me out. But I could see how it could, right? If you were just kind of an everyday person who didn't really know scripture, I mean, to thine own self be true, kind of, I mean, it's even got the thine in there, right? <laughs> Thou thine. But it's so far off God's character. It's so far off the Bible that I don't think you get very much further. Well, you could, I mean, you could argue to that, to, to yourself be true. And so what, if you're true to yourself, then you, and you're true to your own nature, then you could also, you can almost make it preach and say, okay, well, I know I'm, a, I'm I, I fail on my own devices. Right. So therefore I need God. Right. And so you could just add on to this and say, yeah, I could see how it can conceivably be mm -hmm. in, but it's. To me, it's kind of equivalent of saying, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and follow your heart. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know. 
I could probably call on my 20-year-old self and she would probably say, yeah, do it. Follow your heart. Isn't there some Madonna song? I, I don't know. For some reason, I keep thinking of Madonna. I don't know if that's because somebody was talking about her. I think I think my uh, the associate that works for us at the at the firm, I guess, just discovered 80s, 80s <laughs> Madonna because she... <laughs> Her 90s, because she was talking about Vogue and how that's a really good song. I and do I'm like, love that song. Like, how old are you? You know. <laughs> she, she thinks she just turned 30 and she's having this crisis where she's... Have yeah. you ever heard that song by Madonna called Vogue? <laughs> nice. Anyway, that sounds oh, like something gosh. Madonna would sing. So that one is... I mean, Madonna did sing Living on a Prayer. What? Was it Living on... Yeah. No, 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 no. That's... What's that? <laughs> it's Bon Jovi. It's the, no, but it's what's the prayer song? Seriously, uh, it was the first. It's the yes, I know what you're talking first about. First video, uh, and I was I could not watch that video. It was banned from our house, and I didn't understand why because she was talking about prayer. I'll take you there. I'll take you there. Oh, uh, it's oh, it's like a prayer. Like a prayer. <laughs> like a prayer. Okay, like. You have to really consider cutting all this out. All right, so that, that will happen. That will happen. That is false. False. Okay, number four, work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and never succeed. True or false? I only know this is true because it was in a daily reading that I did like three days ago. Really? Yeah. Maybe God's telling you to work hard. Yeah, I need to be. Quit being lazy. Well, and it's not the only place where it's it's, it's in there. There's actually uh, another proverb, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. I mean, it's there. it's in there many times. I actually brought that up, and I was explaining that to my kids the other day. Uh, the next one. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. True or false? True. That one is true. That's Proverbs seventeen twenty-two. So this one actually, um, I had heard this verse before, um, but I looked it up. It was like, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Okay, so... What I found out was that the cheerful sort of is a, a reference to a joyful nature that we have because of, of acknowledging God's mercy. Mm-hmm. And then the crushed spirit, the word crushed there is prostrated by conquest. And that's like totally, you know, laid flat by mm-hmm. conquest, mm-hmm. which I guess I was thinking I equated that to like what the world, you know, when the world is crushing you. Right. So if you, you will have a more joyful spirit and heart if you sort of are thankful and remember that. God has provided such mercy to you. So I was like, it's actually a really great verse that I'd never really, other than just read it, I'd never really thought, stopped to think about it. But yeah, that's in there. You know, it kind of makes me think, you could completely take this out of context. You know, when people are going through something hard, something major, some trial, and then you have cheerful Kathy Christian come and try to cheer them up and say, but God is good and he works all things for the good. You, You know what I'm saying? Like you could totally take that out of context and think that you need to bring your cheer to everybody's sadness. When, you know, this for me reminds me of, Missy has this thing where, you know, attitude is everything. And if you go into something with a bad attitude, you know, very rarely mm-hmm. gets better. Right. <laughs> so. so true. All right, number, okay, so that's true. Yes. Number six, let your conscience be your guide. True or false? I would say, and I did say when I took this test, false and that's just because it for me it's the whole thing relies on my own nature and Mm -hmm. we all it's it's kind of dicey right because you if you say that you can't let your conscience be your guide you've just got to follow the spirit we have to be able to discern between what is our conscience telling us to do and what it 
you know, is that the Spirit, Holy Spirit? Right. If your conscience is being led by the Spirit, then yeah, you're going to be doing good right. stuff. But if the Holy Spirit is not at all involved with your mm-hmm. decision making, th- I think this comes back to what you were talking about, that whole sort of relativism where right. my truth and your truth. Right. And that's where I think you can you can really, the, the norms are going to change and the conscience of people at certain times, periods of times, you know, is going gonna, is gonna to change. And so if you don't have the Spirit leading it, then mm-hmm. I think you're going to be able to do that that argument where you say, well, that's made true for you, but that's right, not true right. for me. I mean, technically, if your conscience is telling you to, like, slip money out of the offering plate when it's passed around, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. Probably not. Probably not. All right, so seven. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. True or false? This is a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> true. It's Psalm 18, 118, 24. That was a pretty, that was a meatball. That was so that no one um, totally got them all wrong. The next one is God moves in mysterious ways. Now I've heard this many, many times from many, many different people. I've actually heard it on the pulpit. I mean. And is it a song or something? An old hymn? Yeah, I mean, it's based on, it's based on a hymn, but uh, it's, it's one of those that I think there are so many verses that talk about how God is different than us, that it could right. conceivably be a verse. And it makes sense, because God moves in mysterious ways. What's mysterious? Well, we don't know. It's a mystery. Right. And so there are plenty of verses that says, uh, for example, in Isaiah, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there are verses that kind of sound like this, but mm-hmm. this is not one of them. All right, number nine. When God shuts one door, he opens another. False. I mean, the line is false. Yeah. And I, you know, and the note says that it's uh, it's actually attributed to Alexander Graham Bell, which said, when one door closes, another opens, but we often look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened for us. Which I mean, is a what, great, did, what did that have to do with telephones? I don't know, but it's a great quote. Maybe he didn't want to go through the doors. So that's why he, he just made he phone just calls. He just wanted to yeah. call. There just, you go. Who cares if the doors are closed? But I think this is this reminds me of that other verse that we talked about before when God sent or when Jesus sent out people in pairs mm-hmm. to all the cities he mm-hmm. was going to go to. Um, oh, yeah. And so if they don't want to hear the message, dust your feet off and go on to the next right. one. Um, so I mean, I could see arguably where you say that concept is in there somewhere, mm-hmm. but I mean, obviously this is not a verse. Right. Well, and then when when the Apostle Paul went on his missionary journeys and he was going one way and he couldn't get into that country and. So he turned around and went the other way. Then he had the dream where the man from Macedonia said, come help us. And he took that as God directing him towards Macedonia. So he had a closed door, then an open one. Like there's always opportunity available to you. Like there's always going to be. So that's, that's another thing that made me remind, that reminded me of it is... If a door closes, it was probably something that you wanted. So there's obviously something exactly. that you've been called to do. So look around. I mean, so yeah. the concept will preach, but the verse is not right. biblical. <laughs> right. The next one is, a gentle an- answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That one is true. Proverbs 15.1. To me, that makes perfect sense. It makes a lot of sense. It's very hard to practice sometimes. Oh, and nothing really irritates me more than if... Larry and I are having a heated discussion, and he's not 
passionately mad back at me. Like if he's just nice and doesn't buy into my emotional hysterics, you know, it works. See, I have the exact opposite. So like when, when a kid is animated, excited, they come in with a high intensity, I tend to respond likewise and then nothing ever gets accomplished. It's one of the, so Missy's, you know, been reading a book. I'm supposed to be reading it. I haven't caught up to where she's at. But it's about you need to respond instead of react. Oh, yeah, yeah. And responding is recognizing that, you know, this little person is having an issue. Mm-hmm. And if you come back with the same sort of level of intensity, it's, you know, you're just going to spiral out of control as opposed to mm-hmm. trying to calm things down. The crazy cycle, right? The crazy cycle. All right, number 11. To err is human. To forgive, divine. True or false? That is false, but it does sound like a proverb, doesn't it? It does sound like a proverb. I, you know, it's got it's got the stuff that it's got all the good elements. You know right. that we're humans, that we err, and that we are to forgive, mm-hmm. and we all wish to be divine. I mean, it's got all the recipes of a really good verse. Nice and short, good proverb. You could put it on a T-shirt. You could. You could put it on the wall. All right, move on to number twelve. Number twelve. God won't put more on you than you can handle. True or false? This is a close one. It is false, uh, but it does sound really true. And it, to me, it reminded me of a bunch of different verses, like, I can do all things. Mm-hmm. And then this also reminded me of the other one with, um, that when you're tempted, you will be provided a way out of that temptation. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at the words of the, the statement, God won't put more on you than you can handle... And how many times do you hear people say that? I mean, you hear people say that all the time. Yeah. God's not going to give me more than I can handle. Well, technically, I've been in many, many situations that have been more than I can handle. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you are going to be in extreme situations where you literally can't do it on your own. But God, I mean, he shows up, you lean on him, and he guides you through it. He won't give you more than you can handle with him. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, that's where... That's the... And it's when, when you acknowledge the point that you, you can't do it alone, I think, mm-hmm. is where he's sort of glorified. So a lot of times I think he might give you more than you can right. handle so that you can realize you can't do it on your own. You don't have all the answers, and so you need a course correction. So That one, I think, is probably one of my favorite misconceptions of what's in the Bible and what's not. Number 13 is my second favorite. God helps those who help themselves. True or false? Well, you already gave it away. I know, right? (laughs) That's false. No, I did. I did. (laughs) Like that one, though, I don't... I've heard that said. And that's a very secular uh, thing that I've heard said. Like, people will say that that I don't think particularly are very religious. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I like the other one. Right. But I don't, I don't understand that. God helps those who help themselves. Well, uh, I thought the background on this one was interesting. I, I didn't know where it came from, but it's attributed to Benjamin Franklin. And it said that, so evidently Franklin was a deist, and he didn't believe that God played an active role in the life or the lives of, of mankind. And so from his point of view, if a man was not able to help himself then that man was hopeless because God obviously wasn't going to help. The whole, the whole concept of the gospel is, is the opposite, right? Yeah. 
our Jesus, powerlessness. Jesus was sent because we couldn't help ourselves. We screwed ourselves. things up, yeah. yeah. It's the exact opposite of what the gospel is. And Proverbs twenty eight twenty six: he who trusts in himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. That one is false. Number 14. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. True or false? That sounds true, but not the version of the Bible I think I carry around with me. Like I've, I've heard it a little bit different. How do you know it? Like, what is it? What do you mean? Like, what's the version? Do unto others as uh, you would have them. No, no, I'm just reading that one again. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> no, that one stuck in my head. It's just a little bit different. I don't know what version this is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, all, I mean, that sounds very familiar. So that one is true. That one is true. Uh, number 15. To fear the Lord is the beginning of freedom. I don't think that's in the Bible. It sounds like it's in the Bible. It sounds like it is. But I think we would be talking about wisdom. And actually not only wisdom, but I actually looked this one up and it's... Psalm says, Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then Proverbs 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. To fear the Lord is a good thing, brings you wisdom and knowledge, but freedom we did not uh, find. So that is false. All right, number 16. Very popular one. Money is the root of all evil. True or false? That is false. But it sounds very close. It's missing some words. Right, to the real thing. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's in First Timothy. And yeah. there is a big difference, right? Yeah, I think, you know, one of those things that we were talking about earlier is uh, if you put all your faith in money, you've made it an idol, and then you've right. created a stumbling block for you. Proverbs 11.4 says, wealth, wealth is worthless in the days of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So, I mean, wealth itself, putting your faith in wealth is the issue here and not necessarily just having money. Right. So call 1-800, send it to us. <laughs> all right. Number 17. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Well, clearly, I don't know my singers and songwriters very well because I had the flop on the Madonna and Bon Jovi issue. And this, I actually thought it was the Beatles. <laughs> no, it's not. But it was, I looked it up. Uh, Seeger, Pete Seeger, he wrote it. I don't know who sang it. It's almost verbatim, too. Right. I mean, it's got, like, the, it's a long, long passage. Right. So, technically, number 17 is true. I mean, that that it is, is in the Bible. I think it might be commonly misconceived that Mr. Seeger came up with that himself. Yeah, there's probably a lot of people that know the song and don't know the verse. Right. We could play it. You could sing it. I don't want to. Okay, so that one is true. Number 18. Spare the rod, spoil the child. True or false? Now, this one, if I didn't have the answers, I would have put true. I, I put true, actually, too. I thought it was there. And? It is false. It is false. I mean, the concept is there. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. As parents, though, we get it that right. if you don't discipline your kid, they get spoiled. So I, it's easy for us to throw in the spoil, but it's just not something God said. Right. 
And the hard part about the actual verse is, he who holds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently is, I think, the diligence. And I think we've talked about that mm -hmm. is being consistent so that the, the rules are actually set in stone um, for the, the protection of, of the one learning the lesson. But right. yeah, that is one that I totally would have gotten wrong. The next one is, the truth shall set you free. You people in Austin didn't come up with that. Yeah, no, it's on the main building at the uh, University of Texas. It's on the main tower. But so, it actually comes from the Gospel of John. Yeah, so I, I would have known that that was on... Um, Definitely true. What I, I read on this one is, um, what is true in things related to God and the duties of man is the truth that's being referred to here, which I thought was interesting. Say that again. So, the truth shall set you free. I was looking up what the word truth mm -hmm. was in the app that you showed me. And the truth that's being referred to here is the truth of things related to God and sort of our duties in relation to that. Gotcha. Which I thought was really cool. Because um, it's not just, you know, the truth about little things or this or that, mm -hmm. but it's more, it's more divine. Right. Um, and that freedom lies in our knowledge of what God is and who we are in relation to that. Um, and living it out, yeah. right? All right, number 20. Cleanliness is next to godliness. True or false? False. No, I'm not. Definitely not false. true, yeah. And what I thought was interesting is uh, there's, there's references to, like, you might think that that's accurate based on all of the Old Testament mm -hmm. rules about mm -hmm. cleaning your food, staying away from dead bodies, going out to the camp when you get a sore. I mean, all these these, these laws that they have. But the references in the New Testament are more about spiritual cleansing, cleanliness. Right. And so Old Testament, it's physical. It's truly just right. to keep this nation alive mm -hmm. from bad things and bad food and bad animals and, you know, eating dead things that you didn't kill. I mean, all of these rules are just meant to keep their physical body alive. And then in the New Testament, all of the, the verses relate to spiritual cleansing and mm -hmm. cleanliness and, and getting rid of all the evils. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've heard this a million times. And not just from my mother who wanted me to clean my room. It's a very popular saying. It is very popular. All right, so that's it. Is that all of them? That's all that of them. is all of them. Okay, so that's it for the true and false game. Do Before we close, do we want to talk about the sermon at all? Yeah, I thought we had Pastor Spellman right? pinch, pinch hitting for John. And he was talking about sort of our responses to God's call mm -hmm. and that we have a role to play and that when God calls us, we have a number of different ways that we can respond. And he gave us four different examples. And it was uh, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And Moses. And Moses. And then he went backwards. I thought about it while I was sitting there. Which one would I, you know, would I right. be? And, and obviously, um, as the pastor talked about, we tend to do all mm -hmm. of them in right. different times in our lives. And But I went back and I read the account of the burning bush just because it had been a while. And mm -hmm. it was very telling of probably the way that I would do things. So God calls Moses at the burning bush. And the first thing he says is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So that's burning bush shows up at the beginning of chapter three, 11 verses in. He's like, who am I? So he questions like why he's being called. And then he keeps peppering God with all these questions like, well, what if they ask you sent me? And so God gives him an answer. What if they don't believe me? And God is like, I'll give them a sign. What if they don't believe that sign? It's like, I'll give them another sign. Like God keeps answering all mm -hmm. these questions. And then, and then he says, well, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a good speaker. 
And then he says, take your brother. Like he just has, God has a response for every little thing. And then chapter four, verse 13 was the best one for me. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else straight up. Just <laughs> let's get to the crux of it. I don't want to go. Like I, you're not giving my, you're not, you're not buying my, any of my excuses. Just send someone else, please. Right. And I love it. It was once again, you know, I have kids. And so like, can you please take the trash out? Well, there's a, there's a, I saw a roach in the garage. Like, okay, we'll put some shoes on. Um, it was a big roach. I'm like, you know, can can you go with me? I'm like, I'm not going to go with you. Can Zoe do it? Like it's, it's yeah. you know, they, they come up with their, they really don't want to do it. They come up with all these excuses. People are like that. Mm-hmm. You take away all their excuses and they finally like, okay, I just don't want to do it. Like, right. I really just don't want to do it. And so that's the one that really spoke to me. And I didn't, and then the other one was the exact opposite, which was Abraham. So these two are the ones that, that popped out at me is, I come up with a lot of excuses, and I think they're pretty good. A lot of times, you know, Missy can get rid of most of them. But then the, the Abraham one was was really the one that I aspire to be. Right. And, you know, in Sunday school, we're talking about the Holy Spirit sort of working in us, and we're asking for the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. But Abraham, you know, he waits for his son to be born, and then when he's born and God says, go, go take him and sacrifice him. And the verse says the next morning he got up and left. Like, No question. Yeah, he didn't do any of the Moses stuff. Like, what you're talking about... Like, you know, my, yeah. my son, right? The one you just gave me as a gift. Like, why, why? You know, I would be asking all sorts of questions. And the faith that he showed is just amazing. And I would obviously love to be known for being able to respond to a call like that. Right. It just made me think, like, goodness, the significance of that for Abraham. Because he knew, I mean, God had come to him and said that I'm going to bless you and you're going to... I mean, father of many nations, right? He's going to be the father of, of many, many nations. And the world is going to be blessed through him. But he doesn't have a son. And so when he does have the son, and then God's saying, never mind, that is the classic example of trust. And he doesn't, he doesn't hesitate. Right. It's not mentioned, you know, I'm sure he thought a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, you know, he didn't question him. He just, he took it all in and... So yeah, that was that was the challenge that we got on Sunday was to be Abraham, and so I bring that up just to remind people that uh, in case you you missed it to go watch it, but to have the faith that Pastor was talking about and to to be Abraham when you when you get a call when you get God's call. And we'll leave it at that. We will be back next week for episode fourteen, and who knows what we'll talk about. <laughs>